Hi, this is Angela McCluskey, and you're listening to Rock at Night. I'm Anita Stewart, and I'm speaking for Rocket Night and Yes, She Rocks with Angela McCluskey, who has okay. just re- released a single, and her upcoming album, The Roxy Sessions, will be released on September 9th. So welcome to Rocket Night, Angela, and thank you for joining us for this uh, interview. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited, Rocket Night. I just want you to know that you have the most beautiful accent and you could probably sit and read the phone book and I would just be happy. <laughs> I, I love your voice. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I've been here, you know, I've been here for 27 years. I mean, and I'm still getting asked, well, 27 years, yeah, I ran 25 years, 27 years, and I'm still every day be asked, well, can you say that again? Can you speak again? <laughs> so cute. You're so cute. <laughs> I still can't get glass. I still can't get a glass of water. I have to say water. They like uh-huh. just will not will not give in. And, and I kind of do a test. I'm like, can I have a glass of water, please? Sorry, what? I'm like, water. They're like, sorry, water. And I'm like, yeah, water. And then they go, what do you mean water? What's the difference? Water, water. It's just because there's a tea in it. Water, right. You know. I was looking at your bio and it was interesting to see that you were you came to the United States and worked as a publicist for a short time was that kind of a a plan to get your foot in the door in the music industry or music business no 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 no, absolutely not I had I had no plan to get any, any music business I was actually I was at um, I was an, an actress. I was at drama school in London, and then to make money on the side, I was running a theatre company. To make a little money on the side, I started working at a television station called Channel Four, and um, I kept getting promoted because I've obviously got a big mouth and I like to talk, and I was really fun. And they kept promoting me, and it was like the golden handcuffs, you know. I had my right. theatre company, and, and then I had this amazing job. I worked for EMI to half the week, and then I worked for Channel Four. So I worked with the Chili Peppers, Morrissey. Um, talking Heads. I worked on the videos. Oh my! Videos. Yeah, I had an amazing time. Um, and then when I when I came to America, I'd moved out of that and I'd moved into film publicity. So my friend and I, my friend had produced a film called Hear My Song, um, and it went it, it was nominated for an Oscar with Ned Beatty. So we came out to Los Angeles. I was no intention of coming to Los Angeles. I'd never been before, but of course everybody's prejudiced. I'd, I'm much more interested in New York, which I had been to. And we went out to LA for a week, and it's we it's actually a very very long story. But basically, um, I arrived in LA, and I had one friend who arrived at the airport to pick me up, and she had like a a 1957 Mercury with the roof down, and she was playing Nirvana's first album, and they drove me along the PCH, and I was like, I'm never going home, never. And I actually, thought, ah! I never, 
I never got my, I never used my ticket. I never went back. And um, in fact, when I signed my deal with Geffen, I was signing my deal with Geffen on the Monday and um, I was completely illegal. I was absolutely terrified because I'd been offered all these record deals and the reason I kept turning them down is because I was illegal. And I thought I was going to get deported. I never thought I was mad, you know, and the record companies were all like putting it up, mop, mop, mop. And I'm like, oh God, this is a nightmare. Until finally I said to my boyfriend who had been with a year, who had met in London, who was American, I said, you're going to have to ask me to marry you right now and we're going to get married on Saturday and we're going to sign a record deal on Monday with David Geffen Records. And he was like, okay, so we did. And that's how I ended up. But, but music was a complete and utter, it was just a mistake. There was no way, I had no intention of being in a band. I, I, I had no interest. You know, I worked at EMI. I saw lots of girls, friends of mine, you know, famous girlfriends being pretty miserable in the record business. It doesn't really matter if you've got number one. Everybody just has to travel. Everybody's to tour. And you're usually on your own and your boyfriend's at home and they end up leaving you and you're on your own for, you know, it's, it's not that glamorous. Right. Anyway. And it wasn't that right. glamorous. I wasn't. You know, I didn't know how to write songs. I mean, I liked music and I sang as a kid. I was in a couple of silly bands when I was a teenager. Um, but it wasn't anything. But my mother always wanted me to sing because when I was young, I had a big, big voice. And she always like, you must sing, you must sing. And it was just not anything I really was thinking about because it was just, oh, well, I can do that. I was much more interested in, like, I wanted to be a painter or an actress or a writer or, you know, all the other things. It was weird that I ended up becoming a singer. And that was just a mistake. I just got up and sang a couple of nights at something and then I wrote a song by mistake with a friend who was playing guitar. And then the next day we tried again and I wrote another song and that became The Wild Colonials. And we just ran. I, I did a little club every Tuesday night at the Cafe Largo. And, you know, before I knew it, it was just jammed with all the actors and actresses like Winona Ryder and, and Keanu and all these people would come and see us. And it was just the place to be on a Tuesday night. And then... We, we've signed a deal and that was it. I had a record deal and I was like, what? <laughs> it was, it was so, a much longer story and a much funnier story, but we don't really have all that time, but um, it was a magic. You were one of the lucky ones that kind of just landed into it where yeah. there's other people out there that are working so hard to try to get you know, to I that did, I admit, point. I did work really hard. I worked really hard. I mean, okay, I, I signed a deal after nine months but, you know, since then, you know, I've worked, I've stayed the course and I've, I've worked really, I mean, it's like 20 years later and I've literally never done anything else but music, you know, and I've not had an easy time, but I've been pretty lucky. I usually have a hit every couple of years, but I'm always very much under the radar because I absolutely did not want to be a pop star. That was the last thing. I wanted to be Amy Mann or, or Mazzy Star or something, you know, low key. I didn't want to be you know, Lady Gaga, obviously, or, or anybody gigantic like that. And, and one of the people who took me under a wing was Cindy Lauper, actually. She, I met her very early on, and she was uh -huh. a really big help. She kind of like, you know, would, I mean, I would watch her, how hard she worked and what she did, and I used to just think, I kind of don't really want that. I just did not want to be a gigantic star. I just wanted to make enough money to have, you know, a nice house, and I didn't need people to tell me I was brilliant. You know, I just think, well... I'm pretty good. I know I'm pretty good, but I don't need everybody telling me I'm good. And I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I wanted a nice life. I didn't want to be, like, chasing the street or hassled by people. I'm very Scottish, so I'm not very good at, like, being nice to everybody, which is what happens when you're a rock star. You're like, hi, 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 and it just destroys your life, you know? You become like a, like a puppet. And that poor Sia wondering about, that poor Sia wondering about with, like, a, a lampshade on her head, what the heck is she doing? It's like, no. <laughs> 
know. <laughs> How did the wild colonials happen? How did that get put together? Um, I told a mistake. I was playing in that club, and somebody called me the next day and said, one of the days, and said, um, I saw you play in that, it was an Irishman, he said, I saw you play there last night in that club, and we're having a party at the church hall for one of the youngsters, would you like to come and play? And I was like, well, we're not really a band, I was just kind of hanging out, and he's like, no, I'm actually sure, I saw you there last night, you were great, and, you know, so I just said, well, okay, I'll ask the guys, so I asked them, and then they were like, okay, so I looked up an Irish songbook, you know, and I was thinking, I have to have a, 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 some Irish songs, and then he called me back, he said, now, what's the name of the band there? And I said, well, we don't really have a name. So I looked at the list of Irish songs, and I saw, you know, Paddy and Mickey go to Kilkenny, the, 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 the Wild Irish Rose, and then it's a Wild Colonial boy. And I said, we're the Wild Colonial. And that is basically right. how we were born. And then about six months later, I had a knock on my door, um, and a guy was standing there about six foot five in black leather with a helmet, and he was like a... He's like, it's my wife's anniversary, and I would love if your band, you're her, you're her favorite band. She, I'd love you to come to my house and in the Hollywood Hills and and play. And I was I was I was like, oh, can we talk later? I'm really tired. And he said, well, I'm in a band as well. He said, I'm in a band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And ah! I said, oh, <laughs> he said, my name's Chad Smith. And um, he basically, you know, from that moment on, we went up and did the thing. And then after the gig, he asked for a tape. I said, we don't have a tape. He took us into his studio. He made his work Spinal Tap, and then we recorded, uh, like, our five little demo songs, and then we played around town, and he became our drummer for about six months while the Chili Peppers weren't playing. And um, and that's when, you know, we started getting offered all the deals. I was panicking about being illegal, so... And that's how it started. Yeah. I, I'm looking at some of the people that you have collaborated with. You've, you've mentioned the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Cindy Lauper, Dr. John, Deep Forest... The, yeah. the trip type telepop music, I mean, and you toured with REM and so many of these people that are like, you know, mainstays in the pop rock scene. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed was your voice is everywhere. It's like a, a distinctive voice. I was looking on your website maybe at some of those commercials that your songs were used in. And I thought, yeah. oh, my God, I've heard her before because yeah. she's in this commercial and the Chico's commercial, and I'm going, this is, I don't know if you remember the singer from Israel. Her name was Afra Haza. Oh, yeah. She was, yeah, she was the Israeli-Yemeni um, pop singer, and, of course, her, just her cuts were used on rap albums and commercials yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I thought, there's a real strong similarity, not in your voices, but in just where your voices are heard. They're kind of heard everywhere. You hear them in the background of a song. Uh, I think yeah. what's most interesting is how you've been able to take um, what you do and actually um, blend and uh, I call it genre bending. Because there's real no, there's really no genre to put you in. It's pop, it's rock, some of it is dance, yeah. trance music, electronica. Um, where do you find, how do you categorize your voice and your music and what you do? Um, well, up until then, um, did you ever come across the things we do, the record I did on Blue Note? 
Yes, I've listened to a little bit of everything you've done on Spotify. The, the things we do was the, my my big record. That was my solo record. That was the after after World Colonials. I went to Paris and I worked with Telepop Music, and that was the biggest hit I had. You know, that was like a song called Breathe, which was gigantic. Right. And, still, and you hear that everywhere still. And that basically, um, I was in that band for a few years and toured the world because we were very big. And then I I went off and signed a solo deal with Blue Note. And I did the things we do with um, a guy called Nathan Larson, who was married to the Nina from the Cardigan. So we did it in uh, Malmo in Sweden. And that uh-huh. is much more probably where I'm at in my head. That's me. That's my, that's, that's my music. And my music is pretty much angst-ridden, sort of melodic, melancholy. That's the way I would describe myself. You know, that's my music. This album was done because... I actually wanted to have a bit of fun. I did, um, I did uh, about nine years ago, I started, I met a guy called Kiran Shahani and he was in Supreme Beings of Leisure and he was doing some really fun electronic stuff and whenever I was in town in LA, I would go in and like, whatever was going through my head, you know, at one point I was obsessed with Francois Tardy, so I wrote You and Me and Paris to Hollywood. The next couple of years I went back and I was a bit more obsessed with Massive Attack and I did... Um, what about us and an and insufficient feeling? The next time I saw him, I was I'd been singing on Boardwalk Empire, and I decided I wanted to do some original 20s stuff and electro, you know, maybe put electro beats on it because I'd be working with Paro Steller, who's a big electronic, he's the king of electro swing in, a, in Europe. And um, mm-hmm. so I, each each person that I worked with, and I worked with a lot of big DJs as well. And I have a big song out right now called The Little Things with Big Gigantic. So I I just love the idea of I thought I'm going to make a record that you know I was I was playing in New York at a place called Rockwood every Monday night and and literally just just having fun just sort of playing anything I wanted I would do anything from Nina Simone to to, to you know then in my own stuff and then suddenly um, I had like a lot of songs I had like nine or ten new songs and Kiran would come to New York and we we, we called the band Saint Bernadette just for fun it was just a little fun thing and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and I thought why don't we just make this a record? So we put together the, the, the record. I wrote a couple of new songs in the last few months only. So the record itself that you have started nine years ago. And the last song I wrote was um, was Turn Out the Lights. And before that, um, Hit and Run. So they were the most modernish right now, kind of like Nick Cave meets Pink Martini. Right. Um, so I decided, I thought, if we put all this together, I don't know if it's going to work. So we put it all together. We mastered it. And I sat down, and I remember about only about two months ago, I sat down, and I put the earphones on, and for the first time, I listened to the whole lot of the songs all together on the earphones. And when it came to the end, I thought, this is an amazing album. <laughs> Even I know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this is such a fun, joyful, every song, you're like, oh, I love this one. And then the next one would come on. Like, no, 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 I love this one better. And then the next one would be like, no, no, I love this one. And that's, that's like one of those records that come along, you know, once the blue moon. So I don't know. I, I was thinking, well, we'll just have a bit of fun and start to gig. And then KCRW picked it up and then WFUV picked it up. And what I found myself in a situation where Kiran and I, what are we going to do? So we, we had to hire like what they call a one stop, which is like a fake record label that basically help you send out, you know, do the PR and send out the records that you have a real record because, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't, I thought I'm not going to get a record deal with this. It's too weird and quirky, but, as soon as it went to the record state, the radio stations, it was like tune of the week, you and me. 
Right. So for me right now, the fact that I'm getting all this attention for this record is, is quite shocking because I thought it would just be like a fun little album that a few thousand people would buy. I didn't think. And, and I thought, again, if it, gets, if it gets a chance, it could be a big album. I really think it should be. So it's basically, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably have to sign a record deal, which I was trying to avoid, but I think I'll have to because I won't be able to tour otherwise, you know? Well, um, to let the listeners know, this is going to be released on September 9th, and I listened to it several times, this album, all the way through. And one of the things that I just loved about it was you took it from, like, Nina Simone and and um, almost Edith Piaf type of melodies and vocals. Yeah. And yeah. all the way to the very end, you're kind of getting into the trance dance and the psychedelia. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of saw, and, and even a couple of the songs I was reminded of, like the theme songs for James Bond in the 70s. I was okay. thinking, wow, that's what it sounds like. It sounds so. It was a little bit of everything. It like crossed time. It crossed genres, and um, it was just so slickly, beautifully done and put together. It almost took you from the 30s and 40s up to now. You know, yeah, it's almost like a history of. It's a history of the music that I've been obsessed with. It's a document of my musical brain, basically. It's, it's a document of my obsessions. And that's why mm-hmm. I thought it would never work. As, I thought it would never work as a record because it's, it's all over the place. But the weird thing is what connects them all together is my voice, obviously. And then the second thing it connects them all together is that they're all very joyful and very up. They're either sexy, glamorous, or they're like really, really over the top. Or they're really, and then we've even got a bit of dub. Um, reggae, then you have a little bit of um, um, mm-hmm. like electronic, and then you've got like the now 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 soft guitar. I mean, it's got everything in it that I love. So for me, I wanted to make a record that would be great when you were driving, be great when you were cooking, it'd be great if you were just sitting on an airplane with your earphones on, it'd be great at a party. And what I realized more than anything is that when we got up and started playing this record live, it was insane. The audience usually can be shy, they don't get up, you know, blah, blah. This record, from the first song, everybody was up. Didn't matter what age, what genre, anything. They're all up and they're pushing each other out the way to get the dance floor. So that's kind of what happened. And I thought, this is going to be really amazing. If this, if this, And then this, this English uh, woman came to see is the last gig. She's from a, um, an orchestra called the Manchester Camerata. And they're very kind of like, famous orchestra, they're kind of cool, you know, they, they work with all the big rock stars and whatever, and she right. just called and said, we want to bring you to England, and we want to take you on a tour of all the major cities, and we're going to give you a whole orchestra to play this album live. And I wow! Was like, I was like, you're kidding, because there's no way we, could, we have to take a backing track with this, we can't have five horns on the road. And we are going to be touring with like a 30 or 40 piece orchestra and all these amazing big, like, beautiful mansions all over England. So I'm so excited about that. That's going to be amazing. That's incredible. And and um, so actually signing a record deal, that's something you didn't want to do. You wanted to maintain your creative control and your independence, or is there well, any other reasons? Well, the other reason is basically when you sign a deal, then you basically give up half of everything and then you also, you know, you're you're stuck in that rut. I've had two record deals, and, and the, you know, they're great, whatever, but you're at the mercy of the, the record company. For instance, 
this album, if I'd gone to a record label first, I think they would have been like, well, this is a weird record. It's not really going to, I don't know how we're going to sell it. This is what they always say. I don't know how we're going to sell it. I'm like, right, I'm just going to do it myself, right? Now, normally, they would spend a lot of money buying record pro- promoters to take the record to the radio stations, whatever. Personally, we just sent the record to, you know, I think of KCRW as the main station for the West Coast and WFUV for the main station for the East Coast. These are the stations that all the college radios look at. And I thought if those two, like if Rita Houston and, you know, Jason Bentley, Chris DeVitas, Anne Litt at KCRW, and Chris DeVitas actually wrote me an email and said, this record is spectacular. He said, it's absolutely, and that for, for a DJ to write that, I was absolutely gobsmacked. I really was, because normally it's like, oh, I don't know what it fits in, you know, it's not really our style. I can't really, you know, it's a nice album, but it's always that. And for the first time, mm-hmm. here I am, without, without a label, I'm getting the reaction that you want when you have a label, you know? So right. without a label, we've actually managed to get the attention that everybody who has a label, you know, wants this attention. So we've got it, and that's why I'm panic-stricken now. So how am I supposed to, you know, like Pittsburgh wants us to play or, or Philadelphia or Boston or, the, the, you know, the, the, the east, the, the west, northwest coast, Spokane, they're all like, when are you coming to play here? The things of your records out, you have to go and start playing. Everybody wants to see you. And I don't have the money to do that. So I have to find, I don't know what to do, whether I should look for a sponsor or whether, you know, I, I'm, that's the, it's easy to put a record out on your own, but unless you're selling millions of records, you know, it's hard to make that money. And you don't get that money for ages anyway. So it's, it's all a bit scary right now. So I'm, I'm kind of at that, that, I'm at that cusp where I'm like, what, what are we going to The record comes out next week. And basically it's up to the public. If, if, if I can get, you know, people like you and the, the, you know, I'm basically asking all my famous friends from Cindy Lauper and Norman Reeses, Alan Cumming, I'm asking them all, Monica Lewinsky even tweeting me. They're all retweeting and tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and helping me. Awesome. Like, yeah. yeah. You need to. So they're all helping me and that's basically the only promotion I'm going to get, you know, because I'm not going to get Rolling Stone or Spin to review it because, you know, they've got, They've got Coldplay and Lady Gaga and all that stuff. They're not interested in, you know, self-released records that are coming out of nowhere. So, now what about um, when you when you do tour? When you're finally going to get on the road um, at some point, where are some places that you would like to go that you have not been? I've been everywhere. I've toured America like five times. So I've been everywhere. There's nowhere that I haven't been. And I've toured the whole world with Telepop Music. So, um, you know, Telepop Music is a big European band. And um, here, I've toured here everywhere with World Colonials and with my solo band, because, you know, R.E.M. took me on tour. I opened Madison Square Garden. And Michael right. and, and Buck and Mike Mills have all been massive supporters of mine, you know. And, and Michael actually introduced me at Madison Square Garden as, as you know, you've heard her voice everywhere. You know, you hear it in every hotel, every bar, every restaurant but you don't know who it is. Well, here she is. That's how he introduces me because he knows I'm like I'm very under the radar and I'm kind of hoping mm-hmm. he'll always be there. But this is a fun record. It's not like I, you know... It's not now, you're, you're not bi-coastal anymore. You're not... You, do you still have connections to Los Angeles or are you living oh, yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. all the time in New York? Oh, no, I'm going to LA next week. I'm, we're going to LA on the 20th and we're going to be playing... Um, KCRW's bar, they, call it, they have a thing called School Night on um, the 26th, and then we're going to go to the Troubadour, and I'm reuniting the Wild Colonials as my opening band, which is going to be insane, because you 
a very, very big cult beloved band in the 90s in LA. We were the band, you know, it was just right. was really the arcade fire. We were a bit before our time. We had like violin instead of the guitar. We had cellos and didgeridoos and the guys all wore kilts, you know. It was way, way before its time, I think. Um, so I, I'm going to do that as the opening and then I'm going to play my something. No, no, I have big ties with LA. Absolutely. Very connected. I love And them. when you... Um when you um, were with the, uh, I mean, when you saw bands like Arcade Fire that came after you, did you kind of have a feeling that maybe they were patterning themselves after sure. some of the things you did? No, I'm sure they probably didn't even hear us. I think it was just a natural progression because after all the grunge thing, everybody just naturally went towards, you know, that acoustic-y, folky, you know, wild they just went in the other direction so we weren't big enough for that to happen you know we were, uh-huh. we were only we were we were sort of big in our own you know we we're big in la and big in the northwest but you know we weren't like big all over america we nearly 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 did it but we just we just kept missing it and it was just not our time i mean a lot of the things about music it's luck so much you know right. then i joined an electronic band in paris they put out the first record i write the first song and it's like a massive hit right away boom you know, mm-hmm. and that, right. was like, that was my first foray in electronic music and I have a number one right away almost. So that was, that was quite shocking because I was just going to write one song for them and I ended up writing four or five and they put them on the album and I was like, ah, what am I going to do? I can't live in Paris. No. And they were like, well, you have to come and tour with this. So, I mean, I did everywhere. I toured, you know, did Glastonbury and then in the afternoon then I'd fly to Moscow and then we'd go to Serbia and we'd have been all over the world, every festival in the world. So I've done it all. Wow. I've managed this amazing, pretty amazing life, yeah. Now, when um, I, we're getting close to the end of our time, so I'll just ask you uh, two more questions. But um, yeah. who are some of the artists that you like to listen to now? I mean, what's in your CD player right now? Oh, I'm kind of obsessed with a guy called Jesse Woods at the moment. Um, I don't know where he's from. I think he's in the Midwest somewhere. Um, and he has a song called Gold in the Air that I absolutely love. I play it on, on, like, you know, that. And I'm still, like, a mad fan of Mazzy Star. I love Food Into You. Um, and as far as listening to music, at the moment I love um, a band called um, um, Bang Gang, who are from uh, Iceland, Barbie Johansson. Uh-huh. He does the amazing pop music. Um, but, I mean, I don't have a radio, so I don't really know unless I'm listening to the radio, to be honest. But, you know, right. I love melodic. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing I like melodic. melodic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like melodic and things that I can sing along to and that have these, have great hooks. And I found that with your music, yeah. with your songs. So, oh, yeah. Oh, it's great um, to sing along to. Yeah. Definitely a sing-along record. It is. Absolutely. Now, I, um, how do you get into the situation where you can write? Is there um, a special time or um, do you just set aside like a week of time and say, okay, I'm going to write a few songs? What inspires you? What's the catharsis for that? To be honest, you're going to laugh because I literally, like four of the songs, the four like um, Let's Get Lost, Say Hello, uh, not crying anymore and eight stories I wrote uh, in, in about an hour in a hotel room um, Kivan had sent me um, four four tracks 
and I sat on the bed in the hotel and I sang them into my iPhone just on the spot, literally, you know, what was what I was feeling when I was listening to music, what was it making me think. I wasn't right. thinking of lyrics. A lot of the time I don't have any lyrics. I'm very sort of stream of consciousness. And then I'll go back maybe and rewrite it, but very seldom. I'm very lucky that I kind of like managed to, I'm very fast, you know, I can go in in an afternoon and write. And then I went in the next afternoon and wrote um, Turn Out the Lights and, and um, Hit and Run. I mean, when I go in, I usually write three or four songs. I don't plan it. You know, if I'm in L.A. and I'm going in, I'll, I'll take my plastic bag with all my lyrics in it and I'll throw them all around the floor. And I always come up with something. I never know. I'm always a bit like, oh, God, I'll never write another song. But, you know, there's always another song in me, you know. I don't know how, but there always is. So. And do, do the lyrics... Do, do the lyrics come first or the music or both together? Together. I mean, basically, I don't write them. I, I write with musicians. So a musician will send me, like, a keyboard pattern, and I'll just sing over it and then send it back, and then they'll build around the melody that I'm singing. So it's what they call top line. So I write right. a melody that they build upon. You know, that's what I do with the DJs, you know, like Morgan Page, um, Paul Oakenfall, little big gigantic mm. power of Stellar. They send me a track, I sing on it, send it back, you know, and they mm-hmm. look at a song. But, um, lyrics, uh, the only, the, 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 my own record, the things we do on Blue Note is much more my sort of, that's my, my record where I really thought about it. I wrote the lyrics, you know, a lot of the lyrics and, and um, it was my, that was my little, uh, my little explosion of my world in that record. That's the most serious record I've ever written. And, um, it's not a record for dancing to, you know what I mean? But it's like, it's still, you know, I still love it a lot. So I'm still very proud of it. But um, I don't sit around, like, you know, aching and, and sweating over lyrics. I'm a lazy toad, and I'm very, I'm very lucky that I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm kind of like, really, everything I do has to be fast, you know. I'm, unless I'm absolutely brilliant, I won't do anything. And at the same time, I won't, I won't practice or do stuff. I have to be actually brilliant at it, and I just get bored. So I've just got that kind of nature, you know. I'm not very good um, at, like, you know, I'll never learn guitar, but I can play one chord, which is enough for me to, like, write a song. <laughs> so right. So, um, let me ask you this. What do you do, what are some of your favorite things to do when you're not um, writing music or playing music or singing? Oh, I'm a photographer. I'm a big photographer and big painter. I have an Instagram account that's basically... Uh, it's Angela McCluskey music, but it's basically mostly photographs and paintings. There's very little. I hate. I, do, I don't like to have that. This is my new song. This is my new song. I don't do a lot of posting of my music. Basically, I just post a lot of photographs of, you know, New York or or life or things. That's what I love. That's my absolute um, interior design is my absolute passion, and so is photography. So, I'm hoping. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's my that's my real love. I mean, I love music, but. If I if I if I came back as something else, it would be as a designer, a painter, a photographer. I love you know imagery and that kind of stuff. And Angela, where do you see yourself in five years? Are you going to be playing music, or are you going to get re- are you going to retire, or um, vacation, or around the world? Is there some kind of bucket list that you've got going on? Um, no, I think in five years I've got a couple of things in me. I've got a play. I've got a one-woman show that I've done before that I'd like to 
finish. Um, I did it. I did like the workshop of it, and then I did it in New York, and it went really well. So I wanted to finish that. Um, I have a book that I've already finished. It's not like a novel, but it's an idea for for how people can write their life story. It's like an idea I came up with that I did my own version of, and I have. Um, I'd love to do an exhibition of painting. So it's mainly all to do with it's, it's mainly all to do with the visual stuff that I've never had a chance to do, and because. Um, I have a bit of a, a name recognition now. When I do do my Instagram, I get a lot of you know um, offers to do an, a, a exhibitions or whatever. But that I can't. I, I don't have the time. So what I'll do is once this. I think after this record, um, I'll do maybe one more record, and then I'll maybe take a couple of years to just like chill out. And I'd love to write, and you know, I'm I'm kind of good at all all those things. I'm good at like writing and photography and painting, and and I've just been doing music for the last twenty years. So I'd love to give them a little try. You know, that would be my mm-hmm. next step. You know? Yeah, which most musicians well, are. You know, right? Them are good. At, they're good at painting or something like that. You know, from, from Bowie, Johnny Mitchell. You know. Right. A lot of his pain, you know, and that's just one of the things we do, you know. Well, Angela, thank you so much for this interview. Um, It it was a pleasure to um, talk with you. And I just want to let our listeners know that the album, The Roxy Sessions by Angela McCleskey, will be released on September 9th. Um, uh, run, don't walk to your record store to get this recording. I mean, it's really... They can actually, Anita, they can actually pre-order it right now, and if they pre-order it right now, they get three songs immediately. So, Oh, um, amazing. If you pre-order on iTunes right now, you can get um, the three songs, uh, three really cool songs right away, so you don't have to wait for them. Which is cool, I think. So they can go to your website at AngelaMcCluskey.com to do that? No, you just go on the iTunes. Apple. On yeah. iTunes, okay. Yeah. Anywhere where the, the, the pre order is on, I think it's on iTunes, and the pre order, you, you order there and you get the three songs. I mean, everything's done through that, you know, the website. People don't really use websites anymore, really. You know, they don't really go in there. So um, I'm hoping that we get some pre orders. That's my main thing you know, mm-hmm. right now. We need to get we need to get the word out. So thank you for um loving the record and, and giving us some time. That's really wonderful. But I want I wanna thank you so much for joining us. It was um it was a pleasure and um you know we'll um we'll be promoting this album and I'll be telling everybody about it. I love it. So oh, thank you Anita. That's very sweet. Thank you so much. It's well appreciated from all of us up here in New York. Very much. Thank you. All right. Well, you have a uh, good night. Thank you for uh, joining us at Rock at Night. All right. Bye-bye now. You're listening to Rock at Night.